0: A very special guest, one of the leading innovators in the cigar industry today. I have the pleasure of being joined by one of the best dressed and stylish men in the business. And also, Michael Herklotz is here oh, good. as well. So. Uh, but Michael Herklotz, hey. legend of the cigar industry now of Ferio now nah, uh, no 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 you're what, what you 25 26 <laughs>
1: yeah years in maybe
0: <laughs> now of Ferio Tego formerly of Nat Sherman formerly formerly of Davidoff you have just been a class act man from start to like the classiest brands the most stylish the most innovative like how did you how did you get I'll into take that? It. like 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 did you so I'm guessing you have like a style like a in terms of um, obviously in terms of life, but that you like you only go to the next thing if it kind of fits your your style so when you went from Davidoff to nat Sherman, there must have been a reason for that other than like oh, they paid me well, like they must have had a similar
1: style or uh that's you know interesting. what i mean yeah i um I resonated or the 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 brands resonated with me, i mean of course. Right. Davidoff as a consumer the Davidoff brand and ethos philosophy just you know it it created this this sense of real admiration but aspiration mm-hmm. certainly um so the opportunity to work for Davidoff especially in retail yeah. was quite an awesome opportunity because really Davidoff was born out of a retail shop right and so those who are fortunate enough to work in retail, period, are really carrying on that legacy. But to work in retail um, for Davidoff, you really were the the torchbearer mm-hmm. for the the Davidoff legacy. And so that really resonated with me. It was an awesome responsibility. Ultimately, I led those stores um, in New York. When I joined Nat Sherman, funny enough, it's an interesting um similar story a person first then a place then a thing um and nat sherman had that same kind of arc um it was it's an american story where Davidoff yeah. was not an american story but similar and so you know i never thought of it that way but i i think certainly um that level of authentic authenticity to the story rooted in a place particularly nat sherman rooted mm. in new york that meant so much to me as a city um so it was really great experiences. I mean, almost, uh, it was nine years with Davidoff, nine years with Nat Sherman, um, four years before that in retail in Boston. Uh, but now, you know, to um, having had the good fortune of being a a torchbearer for these two storied brands to now own a company, own a brand.
0: And writing, premium, writing your
1: own story. That is a... Um, uh, it is an awesome feeling. Do you
0: miss the retail aspect at all? Like a little bit? Because obviously yeah. with Davidoff, that was kind of your sole responsibility. Yeah. Obviously with Nat Sherman, you were doing a lot more of the marketing, obviously the blending on the new brands,
1: but you still but fell officed, back into- you know, I officed out of the store. The yeah. store reported into me and and a retail store is a stage. And as a musician, I thrived being on a stage. Yeah. I I- craved being on a stage. And when you are in retail and engaging with customers and working with your coworkers, I mean, that's like your coworkers are your band and the customers are the audience. Mm -hmm. And every day it's different. Even though you're in the same, you're on the same bandstand, you might be playing the same songs, but every time you play them, the audience is different. The vibe is different. The experience is different. So I miss that. Um, and I miss the, the diversity of retail, um, that I got to, um, I got to be meaningful and play a meaningful role in in lots of brands and lots right. of companies. Uh that was really special. But um you know as as wonderful and special as all of that was, bro, none of it comes close to the way this past year and a half has right. felt.
0: I mean, listen, all the hard work you've put in, all the innovation that you've made, particularly with Nat Sherman, but even in the Davidoff stores, you have built such a reputation for yourself. I mean, like I've said many times, you know, when Nat Sherman, unfortunately, shuddered, you were like, you know, the number one draft pick. I don't know if there was somebody more talked about as like a free agent in this industry. So to see all that come to fruition and you're doing it so well the recognition that you've gotten already for your brand. Like it was like a seamless transition. There wasn't like a, no one was questioning like, Oh, I wonder how this is going to be. There's a lot of guys who are well known from a big company go out on their own and whether they hit it or not, there's always a question like, Oh, I wonder how this is going to, I wonder how much of the backing of the big company made that guy or that, that woman like what they were. There was no question of that with you. You came out of the, out of the, car swinging that's a totally wrong statement i don't even know what that means but whatever it was you were doing like we're from, from a good yeah, start yeah yeah from from the get-go um and it it's funny that you have this history in retail because if you look at some of the the best guys of our time nick Malillo, steve Saka, nick labretti all of them got their start in retail
1: i was on a show um uh, i can't remember what show it was but we had a dis- someone asked a question You know, what would you tell someone who wanted to get into the premium cigar industry as a career? Mm -hmm. And unequivocally, the answer is you start at retail. Yeah. And that may not sound glamorous, but there is no better way to experience the fullness of the industry other than retail. You experience retail and the hand-to-hand engagement with consumers. You also interact with reps. You also interact with owners. And so you you really get to see and touch and feel everything. Plus, all the brands and companies yeah. are coming into the shop. And then you can see which brands and which companies it
0: forces you to learn. It forces you yeah. to like, I have to know the names of these brands. I have to know what they taste like, or at least, you know, what I can interpret the taste like. You have to be on top. You know, I remember speaking to some, you know, some big manufacturers, especially when I first started, and being like, oh. You know, obviously when you're young and you're very curious, like, oh, I wonder what this guy thinks about this brand. And they would have no idea. Like, like, what brand is that? I'm like, oh, you don't,
1: you don't it's know. It's very easy. You know, I, I experience this now. It's very easy to get caught up in your bubble. Right. Um because in some ways you have to. Of course. You, you have, have to, to stay
0: focused on like I can't worry about too much about what other people are doing. Yeah. Because
1: you have to execute your vision. But um, I th- certainly think it is important to pay attention. And, you know, the other thing about our industry, as opposed to others, is our competition, for the most part, really are our friends. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of, you know, there are other subcategories of this industry where someone from a, a competing company walks into the restaurant you're dining at and y- you need to leave. Yeah. From a compliance regulatory standpoint, mm-hmm. you can't be there. You have to leave. That's the most ridiculous. You know, in our industry, we walk over and swap cigars. Yeah, with our peers, a our lot of them work
0: with each other. Like the, the collaborations have become a, it's like a, a huge thing. It's, it's like a great it's industry. A, yeah,
1: I feel so lucky to have been now whatever 23, 24 years, something like that. Um, it's been, uh, it's just been, it's been awesome.
0: Would you ever consider maybe? maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be branded Ferry but opening up a retail establishment that they kind of put under your umbrella
1: when i was first trying to figure out what i was going to do next a, a piece of me looked uh, considered retail but now that we are so far along with feriotego as a brand and a business and and growing the way we're growing looking at the demands now as a brand owner uh, having to be in market visit other stores support you know, all of our retail partners, plus still manage factory relationships Mm -hmm. and get down the, the idea of being tethered to a brick and mortar business, at least at this point, I don't think, um, makes a lot of sense, but who knows what the future holds. I mean,
0: it's tough. The only person I really know, I mean, obviously Davidoff has their stores, Altidus and General through their own way, have stores um drew estate i think has some sponsored lounges they don't really have stores um you have holtz that H- has, Ashton retail. has holtz and then i mean dion has dion. his store yep. but I, I, he had a store first right that's how he yes. got into the industry yep. another another great mind that came from retail i yeah, can't believe i a, said my own name before i said dion's name <laughs>
1: it's it's uh it's a special business retail okay. especially and and you know there are there's at there's nothing that you can't acquire today sitting on your toilet, right? You can buy anything you want. So having brick and mortar retail is an awesome responsibility to over-deliver on experience, to exceed expectations in every way. Uh, You know, that is the brick and mortar retail experience of the future.
0: Cigars are just one of those really interesting industries where, the brick and mortar experience offers you an experience. If I want to just go buy sneakers or like a t-shirt, I don't need to go to your store because like I can just get get it online and getting it in store. You're you're not going to provide me with like something extra special. Maybe there's a few mom and pop clothing stores that will do that. Or if you're super rich and you go to like a Saks and they'll take you around. But for the most part, like you're going to just going to, you're Pants or pants, and you're just going to go buy your pants, whatever size you're buying. Pants or pants. Yeah. Unless you're buying
1: Brioni, like your your pants or your pants. That's the takeaway, I think, of this podcast. Yeah. That should be what I want people to remember. My name is Michael Herklotz from (laughs) Ferriotago, and pants are pants. We should make a private label called Pants or
0: Pants. We'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, But the cigar industry, at least in in a good retail establishment, from something big like a Casa de Monte Cristo or a CI or to a local mom and pop lounge like a you know a uh, uh, Sanja's in, in New Jersey which is a really cool store you they there's an experience to going there and um I think manufacturers and this works kind of to the detriment of online but um a lot of manufacturers do a lot to support brick and mortar through you know the TAAs or a lot of in-store events or making store only cigars um do you I know you did a TAA but do you do any other kind of special store only lines Was that something you would we haven't uh, the
1: the the advantage and disadvantage to our um, Ferio Tego beginning was that we really did not have the opportunity to kind of slow roll. Right. We launched in four months with nine blends yeah. and two limited releases. Yeah,
0: we talked about that last time, that that was kind of tricky waters to navigate of already having a reputation
1: but also being brand new. Yeah. So with that in mind as we as we've continued to grow now we're 10 months in market um we are so focused on maintaining and preserving these nine blends across their 42 unique uh cigars that is as much if not more work than what it takes to create something new right and i mean if i have a a real um, Foundational Philosophy Core Is king Oh yeah When you create something You need to preserve it And maintain it And keep it perfect Every time it comes to market Because as, as much as we love New, fun, small batch things What keeps the lights on In our buildings Are core products That people can depend mm-hmm. on And turn to r- Any day, anytime, any place And so as much as I would love to kind of get more creative and do some of these small batch fun projects and we'll get there. Yeah. Um, TAA is a great example of that. You know, really we are squarely focused on, on keeping our core, preserving the quality, maintaining our inventories and keeping it in stock.
0: Now, do you find that difficult with the, the kind of the changing of buying habits in the cigar industry? You're seeing Obviously, like you said, core is still king. But what used to be, and I'm making up these numbers, ninety percent of people just want, you know wanted their their standard box that they can get every two weeks or every month. You're seeing a big shift now into people who are really only smoke a, like a lot of variety. People really shifting their taste more towards something limited or something rare. Do you see that becoming like a long term issue, or do you think it's just gonna? It's just I wouldn't the call it close. an issue.
1: I just call it a. Um, it's it's the reality of mm. of consumerism today our parents certainly our grandparents grew up with the idea of brand loyalty yeah and you know if you were a beer drinker you drank this beer if you drank whiskey you drank that particular whiskey and that was it and even though this person might love seagram seven and that person loves canadian club and you like crown royal and they're all canadian blended whiskeys and they may not be that different brand is brand and that's it now as you've moved into our generation, we might want Canadian Club on this particular day because it's the one that we are in the mood for in the moment. Yeah. But then Crown has a different purpose for a different time, and then you move around and you or move in, around. Or in a
0: different mixed drink, this one works right. better
1: versus that one. New. That is the the consumer behavior of today in every category. I mean, yeah. I don't know, unless you are a, a diehard specific kind of... A uh, domestic beer drinker, for example, you are drinking different beers across the board, depending on what you're in the mood for an IPA today, a lager later, a Pilsner to start, right? And there's, there's so much more, um, discretion, um, when you're making a decision, largely because we are all so much more educated mm-hmm. in all of our hobbies. So I believe that our goal is not to be the one brand people enjoy, but just to always be in consideration as people look through a humidor to say, "Well, I know for sure there's something in this lineup that That's what I, I say, love."
0: Get, getting in the rotation is That's like it. is like the goal because yeah. you can get in somebody's like popular rotation.
1: And if you look at our lineup across our nine core blends, and then you add to that the the Ferio um annual limited releases uh releases that's 11 unique blends we are by ourselves our own rotation yeah. from lighter and smoother and sweeter and creamier to fuller richer i mean don't forget we manufacture in all three manufacturing countries of origin yeah there are very few companies that can make that claim let alone one as new and and boutique as we are um so we really do offer something for everyone and that's what I think is so special about our portfolio if you look at the metropolitan all three countries represented timeless collection two countries represented and from from $7 to $22 we really offer something for everyone right. and that's a nice thing to say but it's really nice when it's true when it's and true. we can stand behind it and and, yeah. and the facts are the facts
0: It's funny when you said the uh you know you've been around for 10 months I feel like you have just because of your own legacy and the fact that Ferio has already been so like, solid, like solidified in the industry. I'm like, that's only, you've been around only like 10 months of like having your product out. Like, you feel like one of the companies that's been, oh yeah, Ferio is just like foundation or crown heads or like it's just one of the companies that's been around for a while. But I guess it's, be, you guys just, your your logistics, your plan of attack from, from the get go, your focus on, uh, like the core brands and you're not worried about like the gimmicks or we got to do this fun, crazy thing. It's like you're going to release your your uh, Generoso and your elegancia every year, but you want to focus on core. Now, I will say this year saw the introduction, something that we're smoking right now. What I call, will we call this your first like limited edition? I get, I, or do you consider Generoso Elegancia lim- like how no. would you how would you classify? No, Generoso
1: it? and Elegancia are, are annual limited releases. So okay. I don't consider them limited editions because we make them every year. They are of course limited in their limited individual in production it, it, per year, right. um, but they are intended to be ongoing. So it's an annual limited release. The first true limited edition we did was Timeless TAA. Yeah. Um, but that was for a very small subset of stores. We only made 700 um, units of 10. This at 2,500 boxes of 10 and available to everyone is really the first mainstream limited right. edition under Ferrioteigo.
0: So tell us, this is the timeless 10 years limited. Is it how do you put like limited 10 years limited edition? Timeless 10 years. 10 years. Timeless 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So. Tell us a little bit about the blend. You know which which factory did you go to? How long has this been in the works? You know, give us the whole origin story. But, but by the way, that ash is going nowhere. You know, I I
1: dumped mine just because I didn't want to wear it. That's what I'm worried
0: I've, about. But like, I don't if, if I go like that and it's not moving, I don't
1: like the pressure. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I agree.
0: That's that's solidly on there, man.
1: But I just didn't. I was trying to avoid one extra blooper reel in this <laughs> podcast. Of uh, me have, I have so many. Or just like it. in
0: the middle of an interview. Ah, crap! It's just all over me.
1: Uh, so this is celebrating 10 years of Timeless. So Timeless was released in, it was created in 11 technically, but we officially released it in 2012.
0: Oh, I feel old. I remember that. I, yeah, re- like, I remember like, oh, this is like a Nat Sherman. brand. this is cool. Like, yeah. I remember being 22
1: and seeing this. Well, seeing thanks this for launch. adding 22 to that. Uh, now you make me feel old. Thank you. Ah,
0: like I said, you're what, 38, 35?
1: <laughs> nice. Um, in my mind. Uh, so we're celebrating 10 years of the Timeless brand. Of course, many of those years were under Nat Sherman International, but it was the first project I developed. Right. Um, How and, long
0: were you with Nat Sherman at that time? Uh,
1: no, um, days.
0: So you, oh, that was, so 2011 is when you first started. With yeah. It. Okay.
1: Yeah. And Timeless was the first, clearly that's that was the direction. It had to look different, feel different, taste different. You know, we had to start this new chapter. And so that's really what Timeless did. Um, And, you know, during the Nat Sherman time, of course, we were planning out a 10-year celebration. Um, Unfortunately, the company concluded before we The brand
0: outlasted the company. (laughs) We could,
1: yeah, that's (laughs) right. Um, But now as Ferry Otego, we were able to acquire the brands, as we mentioned in the last show. um, And we really wanted to celebrate 10 years of Timeless. Um, so Timeless, the first blend is what we now refer to as the Timeless Prestige. Mm-hmm. We did that, uh, still do that with the Quesada family in Dominican Republic. So it seemed quite appropriate to go back to the um, Quesadas to work on this 10th anniversary. Um, timeless is also made in Nicaragua with Placencia's. So we have some Nicaraguan in this filler from Plasencia. So it really represents the two countries and two partners mm-hmm. that, uh, have made timeless so successful over those ten years. We just did it in one size, five and three quarters uh, by fifty-four. Um, the rapper is from Dominican, and don't
0: see that a lot.
1: Yeah, you know, um, there was a time when when boasting about a Dominican rapper was a very unique yeah. thing. I think it speaks to the accomplishments of of Dominican that maybe it's become less of a of a a, a point of bragging because. Dominican is growing such tremendous rapper that it's it's less of a unicorn and more mainstream. Right, um, but we found this this rapper, um, and it just adds this um, this sort of underlying complexity on the finish that I I did not find in other rappers that we kind of played with once we established what the what the blend was going to be. Um and we did play in different sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I typically blend in a six by fifty because it is the most dead center now to kind of go up right. and
0: down. The ratios of filler to binder wrapper it's, it's similar enough to a robusto or a lance. You know, it's it's kind of
1: yeah. So historically, yeah. like when I first started learning about creating blends, we would blend in like forty fours and forty sixes because you might take it to a fifty two and down yeah. to a thirty six or thirty eight. Yeah. But today, you rarely go go below a 46 or a 40 Mm -hmm. from mainstream sizes, and you must consider a 60. Right. So this was a blend I was playing with, and we were playing with it in different sizes. But man, in this 54, it really stood out in a way that it didn't in the other sizes. And I found it to be, even as we tweaked fillers, uh, proportions of filler, it always just, just sang in this 54 in a way that that the others though delicious the others just didn't do Mm. um and so we only made 2500 boxes um when they're gone they're gone one size one blend um we're we're sort of debuting this brown and gold uh motif which timeless has never had Mm. um and you know, I'm really, really proud of it. We just started shipping last week. So you know, I'm just starting to see it now engaged and see some reviews and see some feedback. Uh, but
0: oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's got this leathery zest to it that I'm really into. um it's it's definitely a good after after lunch cigar, especially after the lunch we had, a couple of big sandwiches. But I I like, you know, my palate's all over the place these days, but I'm finding myself in recent time drawn to full flavor but delicately balanced, like flavors playing into each other. You know, I was never too much for spice, but now like, ah, but if you can pull off spice right and have it really is work. Key. Yeah, balance. And is I always think key. we talked
1: about that in the last yeah. show. I don't remember if over the years as as I've been able to bring blends to market and help create blends. Of course I'm adding my own bias, trying to get other people's opinions too, but um what what is clear now is that I do have a real bias for the idea of creating as much body as possible, meaning the mouthfeel and the richness and the and the 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 overall weight of smoke. Mm but then on that or within that medium, really playing with every spectrum of flavor and intensity of those flavors. Um, so like Sterling, for example, wonderfully big, creamy body, but, but very light, delicate flavors, creamy, nutty, bready, toasty, where if you look at Panamericana, it has a creamy mouthfeel, but, is way more dark leather, spice, earth, elegancy, and generoso. Same thing with Ferro With with the timeless Ten Years, you've got this herbaceousness, um, spicy, like baking spice, uh, some earth, but the but still preserving that creaminess that I just I realize now I. I crave in every blend I've ever made. Mm. It's got to be there, and I think this really has that oh, no, mouth-fillingly creamy body.
0: I have a few follow-ups. I want to get to this one because it's—I'm oh, going to forget it otherwise. It's funny how you do, you're describing like the mouthfeel and and these kind of uh, descriptors. Did you learn this kind of study working at Davidoff? Be, because when I talk to um, some of the Davidoff guys, you know, when I talk to. Um, uh, what's Heinke's son's
1: name? Heinke, there's Hankey, uh, Hanky Jr., Class.
0: Got class. When I talk to Kloss, when I interview him, he also gives a very similar description. They, they, it's a lot about mouthfeel and like hitting on different points on your tongue and not a lot of manufacturers talk about a cigar that way. So I'm wondering if there's like a connection because you both, like you used to work there and you're distributed through them. Is that like a... Did they kind of take that from you when you were there? I, I, I feel
1: like we might have actually spoke about this on the last show. There is there is some direct learning from Davidoff's tasting philosophy. But even that philosophy is taken from the broader theory of tasting. Yeah. The way honestly. the mouth works, sweet, salt, acid, bitter, all that. Um Davidoff does spend a tremendous amount of time focusing on on highlighting the way stimulation on the palate occurs Mm -hmm. and creating that evenness. My approach is less about, um, focusing on the, the, for lack of a better word, the geographical regions on the palate and their, um, their stimulation and impact. And my approach is much more culinary wine, um, there's much more feel um, feel and flavor as opposed right. to simply um stimulation and condition right um, but ultimately that style of thinking and tasting is all rooted in a culinary gastronomy right. Approach like to almost tasting. like a
0: scientific approach to to the like the sense of taste.
1: Yeah, but bro, it's mm-hmm. also it's also like when you're when you're creating music or you're or you're painting, even you know even some of these crazy paintings that are just one color. If you actually look, there's layers of the same right. color, and you're you're still creating this idea of depth and balance and complexity. Mm. Um, and I, I think that is. Really rooted in art, yeah, in in creative art. I mean, culinary is creative arts, painting, creative arts, music, creative you arts. You have to appeal to to one of the
0: the uh, actual senses, but you need to appeal to something deeper for it to be. T- like, you can have food that tastes good, but then there's food that like makes you feel a way. Like, it makes you f- like. There's a painting, like, oh, that's a nice drawing or a nice painting, but then there's a painting that makes you feel a certain
1: way, and I I feel like, and that's like when critics make their living in my opinion kind of removing the passion and soul and just trying to look at things in their in their most kind of scientific raw way that's not the way we consume art that's not the way we smoke it's not the way we drink it's not the way we eat you know you soul is part of it absolutely and and so for me whether it's blending or creating marketing selling on the floor engaging with customers you know i'm happy to tell you every wrapper binder filler seed leaf position but who cares man mm-hmm. you know who cares that information honestly is meaningless the information that is the most important is the information that you are developing in your brain and in your mouth and in your heart when you light this up. And that may sound total cheese, but you know, I really believe that you cannot enjoy Feriotego in the absence of, of passion.
0: Right. That's, that's a good line, Mike.
1: That's a good line. That's but better than pants or pants.
0: It's equivalent. It's, it's just close. as All good. Right. Um, so back to a little more of the of the technical aspect uh, when you were talking about when when you were cr- you know creating and you were I you just were said the technical
1: doesn't matter I is know this, but I had a whole thing I had a
0: whole thing lined up no, I had a whole thing lined up and I'm like I can't I know he's gonna yell at me but I can't lose this it's unbelievable well because um, brands today brands like yours where you don't have your own factory you work closely with with several different facilities um, people a lot of people take different approaches to that you have some guys who are just like hey. This is what I'm thinking. Send me some test blends. You have somebody like Dion or Nick who like just goes down there for several months and they're, they're picking the tobacco themselves. What is your approach to the blending process? Now, obviously, you, you trust the placentias and the quesadas implicitly that if you call them up and say, here's what I'm thinking, you know you're going to get something in the ballpark automatically. But do you find yourself going down to their factories
1: and doing a lot of hands-on work? Well, I certainly did. And that's, that is where the advantage has been Having spent ten years traveling Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras, with our manufacturing partners, working on blends, tweaking blends, you know, kind of creating ideas and blend ideas that we would keep a record of, have some samples of, but without necessarily a a project to execute them mm-hmm. on. Um, we're fortunate that that we have quite an arsenal of of memorialized ideas that we know work that is very easy to say, okay, blend, whatever, 57, can you remake that sample for me, and let's make it in these four sizes, because mm-hmm. I have an idea for this, so that has given me, um, a lot of advantage, as we've rolled out Ferry because I have not had to spend, as much time in the factories, um, as I probably would have, or certainly did, in the nine years, that I was with Nat Sherman.
0: Well, it's gonna be tougher now with you, like, all right, it's one thing when you're part of a machine and your part is to go down there and work on these blends, but now you are running the whole machine. So like it's, there's a lot more, there's a
1: lot of other aspects of the business that are going to require your attention. Right. Um, And so I would say from a historical style of how I approach creating, maintaining and preserving our products, it was very hands-on. Right, Be in the factories, be in the fields, spend time with our partners and and do the work together but then ultimately trust them to do the work i mean that's why they're a manufacturing partner right and you know i no no criticism to those that go down and watch every single production and look at every single cigar as it rolls off you know if that's the best use of your time do it that's what works for you that doesn't work for me right um and especially now you know, historically, we had salespeople in the field. We had marketing people. We had these people, that people. You know, we had we had the advantage of enterprise-level right. support. Today, um, we are fortunate to have distribution with Davidoff USA, so that is taking care of the sales. But everything else non-sales-related is Brendan, Scott, and me. Right. F- standing in a in a factory in Nicaragua watching every cigar being rolled when I can't physically roll it, you know what I mean? Like that's not my job, it's not the best use of my time. And so uh, it's it's much better for me to be able to be in regular touch with our manufacturing partners, to keep track of things, to receive samples of each production as they come in, monitor as we go. But for right now, and let me tell you, I miss it. I mean, Hmm. you know, no different than retail. I was in a factory every four to six weeks for nine years. It was a huge part of my life. Right. I really miss it. But these are the realities of of now, and and I have to be uh, open enough um, to look at the realities of our business. And as a 10-month-old company, if I can trust our manufacturing partners and reallocate my time where there's a, a, a better return, mm then that's what I need to do, and so that's what I've been doing.
0: You keep saying that 10 months. It's crazy the I know, impact. it's crazy. It's crazy the impact. I mean, you got two in Dojo's top 10? That's, well, technically, that's we got
1: two in Dojo's top three. Three, yeah. We you got, got one in one three. And three. That's, it's insane. I mean, not to split hairs, but two and three sounds better than <laughs> two I don't want to say nothing,
0: ten. but... Uh, <laughs> um, So let's talk about the... I mean, uh, those, those two cigars, the Generoso and the Elegancia. We obviously went into blend and the story behind them uh the last time we had the pleasure of talking but now you have you know the the 2022s tell us a little bit about you know what someone can experience are there going to be subtle differences like you would find in a wine vintage um how close do you, you know? do you keep the tobacco is the same or do you try to blend it might be a different blend and keep the flavor similar how does this process work now here's, that you're doing vi- like
1: vintages i've tried to perfect the way i explain it mm. Um, so let's try a different way. Let's say Elegancia is blend A and the Generoso is blend B. Once we finally got to those blends and we put them into production for the 2021s, we said, okay, this is the final. This is the final approved go. Right. Mm -hmm. Then they got made. If it were a core line, that we were preserving and maintaining over time, we would be replicating the next production to the last production. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying prototype blend A, execute blend A, to do the next production, you would say, okay, production one A, we blend to that. Right. So and even if you have when to we tweak fillers, again, or so,
0: you've got to tweak some fillers
1: or something to, to replicate so, the flavor, so that it is absolutely. Mm-hmm exactly the same experience going to market for production blend one B. So that's what you do with your core lines. That's core. That's timeless. That's that's, That's metropolitan. With Ferriotego, we are now saying, okay, for 2022, prototype blend A, make it again. And we explore blend A, not in the context directly to blend a first production, but to blend a prototype, original concept of the blend experience, and tweak it to taste its best. That should basically net us out where we were. Right. And so smoking Elegancia and Generoso personally, side by side, they are unrecognizably, uh, they they are the same. With The only difference is, obviously, 2021 has a year on it, Hmm. so there's some subtle uh, adjustments that have have developed because of some age, but largely, I find them to be the same uh, because the blends are the same. Over time, of course, that may evolve a bit, and it allows us the ability to kind of creatively um, stretch what an elegancia experience is or stretch what a generoso experience is, but Elegancia is Elegancia, Generoso is Generoso, and and that is the the intentionality behind it. So if you enjoyed 2021s, you will smoke the 2022 in the absence of a 21 next to you and say, "Yep, right on. Yeah. This is exactly what I remember."
0: It's a really cool concept. It's a really interesting concept because I feel I feel like there's there's plenty of people who have yearly releases. You know, Pete has the monsters. Crown Heads has the Las Calaveras. A lot of people have these kind of year, and then a lot of people compare. Oh, the twenty fifteen glass Calaveras was better than the eighteen or but so. And correct so. correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not. But they're all different blends. That's right. They're all different blends. So right. what you're doing, that's that's what makes you unique. Is you you might end up with that where someone's like, oh yeah, the twenty twenty four was the was the best well, and I'm one. I'm seeing it.
1: I'm seeing it now. Even you know people are like, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think the twenty two is better than the twenty one. Cool. You know, no problem. Or I really thought the 21 Generoso was stronger than the 22. All right. You know, I mean, if that's what you're getting, you're getting it. No problem. Um, But the intention and my experience with it um, was not particularly different at all. They're really not recognizable differences. Even when I went back and reviewed my my notes, uh, I was using some of the exact same descriptors Throughout those samples, um, so, but but it's it's really it's less about um, it's less ab- about trying to create these unique annual experiences for the palate. It's actually more about creating an opportunity for connoisseurship in a way that we just don't have in our industry. Being able to track verticals, being able right. to really. Taste and measure against time the benefits of aging. We don't have any of those tools as a, as the premium right. cigar industry um, making things in a snapshot as these annual limited releases really um, creates the the ability to set these markers that we just don't get to do. Wine does it all the time. You know, whiskeys do it with certain bottlings and other things, but the premium cigar industry by and large has never done it consistently with the same experience. Mm. You do an a- annual limited every year, but annual limited number three is in no way related to number two or number right. one. This is entirely and totally related to number two and number one.
0: Yeah. And it's funny cause you know, you, you see some guys who chase that, that, Drag I don't want to call it the dragon because I know that's, you know, deals with something else, but who Uchi- so you know, Las Calaveras, or just I'll use it as an example, is is one of my favorite limited releases. And I don't look for one to beat the other. It's just every year I find them to be different and interesting. But then you know, there's a lot of guys who are like, oh, the 2015 was the best one. And to kind of create that, but you're I don't want to say you're creating it in a vacuum, but you kind of are. You're creating that kind of Awesome comparison and that tracking of years, but you're doing it within the same blend. Do you find, um, because this was something that I thought was really cool with the Macanudo, um, I think it was called the 10-Year Vintage that just came out last year. There was an article in Cigar Aficionado literally 10 years ago, I remember reading it because I was working in the store, um, about how they were saying in the DR, this was like the best, or maybe it was Connecticut, it was like, oh, this was the best year we've had, like the best crop we've yielded and it's like General Cigar is putting away tobacco. I remember the article back in 2011, and like we're putting away this tobacco, and then I forgot about it, and then that vintage came out. Do you, from personal experience, remember like certain years that certain? Con- oh man, this year the Dominican yields like they they had just a really great, you know, like like you would with wine. Like oh yeah, the in the Chardonnay Valley in '75, it was like a really good year.
1: Yeah, I. I can remember them it it tends to play less of an important role because very few products are the voice of the one region farm field seed date hmm. and frankly um it would be painfully boring yeah if you had a product that was that was so vertical to that extent Um, it would be a, it would be a tasting tube. I mean, let's face it, you know, it'd be a a single varietal tobacco. That's not a blend. And we don't thrive in single varietals because we need complexity and single varietals general don't generally don't produce that. Um, but there have certainly been years dating back to 2000, whatever, two when I started going down there years that were lean, years that were plentiful, years that were producing, you know, in the same farm versus the year before, way richer, denser flavors. But, you know, it's, in one sense, boy, that's great. But in the other sense, well, we, we've been making cigars for 15 years with tobacco the old way. Now we have an entire crop of inventory that is radically different. Right. The ability to preserve and maintain the same experience becomes awfully challenging Mm -hmm. when this particular vintage has produced tobacco that is so profoundly unique from a historical perspective. That means our ingredient has changed under our feet and you have to be able to respond to that new behavior of that particular tobacco from a casting perspective to recast that tobacco in this particular show to make sure that the show is still the same.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a challenge. It, it, it is. It is a challenge. It is a challenge. I mean, well, the, any any a kind of handmade. For those who care enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, any any. I feel like anything handmade. Anything that so much of your product is dependent upon nature. It's like. We, we don't know what, like, this, this by God, this could taste different next year. Like, this this tobacco from this exact farm, and, and in fact, a lot of times it does just taste different for whatever reason. Maybe we didn't get enough rainfall, or the rainfall from the mountains swished this
1: soil in, and it just changed which what the, it tastes which like. Which the, the wine collector embraces that, and they know the stories, and yeah. they know the vintages, but that's part of the theory.
0: But it all, it all, but it all comes from, like, it's coming from... You you know, that's what terroir Frank, is. Frank's farm. Yeah. Right. So
1: it's all just coming from that that right. one that one vineyard. But that is an integral part of consumerism for wine, for example, is understanding terroir, understanding the vintage, the date, the conditions of that year, what made the growing season special. How did the winemaker respond? And that makes what that bottle is so unique and special. Right. That doesn't exist in our industry, exactly, and nor should it, for that matter. No, and which goes back to what I said twenty minutes ago: Who cares? <laughs> I mean, really, people. I'm telling you, they. <laughs> I get your point that they shouldn't.
0: I have and to not care because
1: yeah. learn. But there, we we tend to try and learn things that may not play a meaningful role mm. in our ability to be better consumers. Right. So you know when people start trying to memorize you know well a, a white ash is the result of this particular compound in the soil maybe but not always right but you know we have this this uh instagram Uh, logic of I learn it once, it must be fact, and I will repeat it and share my knowledge forever.
0: Like the yellow yellow cellophane theory? Any of (laughs) it, bro. Any of it.
1: And so someone learned something once about magnesium and calcium, and all of a sudden, anytime there is an ash of any color, you absolutely know the answer. And if you didn't know that, you are stupid, and I know more than you. Well, spend 24 years going down to farms and factories, and you will learn that there are absolutely no absolute facts zero i, I cannot None.
0: agree And i've this is something i've i've talked to uh to chris and our team about i'm like dude this industry like you the reason i say i don't know er- anything is because i can know something for 10 years as a fact like this this is the fact of this thing and then you talk to somebody like you or i talk to carlito or i talk to Pepito, they're like oh no no it's actually this and i'm like what People have different interpretations of things. That's what makes this industry so
1: unique. Here's the thing, man. If you make a living, you have to feed your children on the facts about handmade premium cigars and tobacco and farming and curing and fermentation and aging, then you need to spend every Mm -hmm. waking minute knowing that information and staying on top of it and learning as it evolves. But if you make a living as an accountant, <laughs> just cut it and light it and let the people who make a living with tobacco worry right. about that level of detail because if you aren't paying and listen, I don't pay attention to every detail every year of every everything from a farm level for, from a from a fertilization perspective and every right. because honestly for me I don't care either. Like I can't possibly Know or learn what I would have to to be an expert, right? Which is why you we have experts, Quesada, Placencia, and Camacho. They hire the experts, right? That's why we pay them the money, right? You know what I mean? Exactly. That, it at some point we have to get back to it, enjoyment to listening to me. It's like mm-hmm. you know, when, when your favorite song comes on the radio and you're playing air drums on your steering wheel, and you know, or, or you're at a wedding, and like my favorite song in the world, Sweet Caroline, comes yeah. on. Yeah, like at you're no so point, Boston, at Michael, no you're so Boston. Like, Holy shit, did you hear this chord progression? Wait a minute, because uh, what this actually is, if you play it this way and invert these chords, like that's music dork stuff, but if you're not a music dork, you don't care. Right. You just love the song, you know what I mean? That's, you, I want you to just love the songs that I'm writing. Love the paintings that I'm painting. Love the cigars that we're creating. Like, just please, just love the art, you know. Mm. Stop trying to trying to get so deep and zooming in and zooming in and zooming in. Man, zoom out. Just zoom out. Cut it and light it and enjoy it and talk about something else
0: with your friends. You yeah, know? I, I'm,
1: I feel like everyone. I'm not saying don't learn. Right. Learn, but learn the stuff that matters that you can apply to your decision making. Because I promise, learning about the 2017 fertilization ideas in Esteli and how they changed in 2018, none of that knowledge can play a meaningful part of your ability to figure out what cigar you would like to enjoy tomorrow. Because none of it is applicable. You don't know what's in here and we don't disclose it, right. yeah, it's not our job, because it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is, is this exactly the same as the last one you had, if this were not a limited edition, right? That's what matters, and that's where we put our time and attention.
0: I couldn't have said it any. I, I I could not have said it any better because that was beautifully. I hope said. that
1: doesn't sound like really. No, I mean listen. I'm going to get I'm, shredded I, for that. No, I, I know think I think a lot of I people. I am going to get total no, comment no, hate. I, Keyboard warrior is going to destroy me. For
0: no, that. I think but, I, I think a true. lot of people. Listen, it's I true. am I am totally guilty of it too. I was watching. With my girl the other night, we were watching a movie, and you know I'm a total movie nerd. And every five minutes, I'm like, "Oh, did you know that he shot it this way because of this?" Yeah, shut and, up. And a line. Now I'm the I'm right? the, I'm bad. you are never it. watching I'm a bad movie again. I'm bad with it. Never. If it's if it's if it's, if it's like a if it's like a, a giant movie like The Godfather, I'll actually keep my mouth shut. If we're watching Big Trouble in Little China, where it's like it's like oh, it's like a niche movie. I got to tell you all the little things that make it great.
1: It's hard to smoke a cigar with this microphone.
0: It is. Know. It is. <laughs> But I think you're right. And I think people, especially in this social media age where they need to seem self-important, they need to seem like they're contributing. Oh, well, I found that last year's Ferio, like, you know, I think the because I read about the the weather cycle in Estelet, and it's like, dude,
1: you do, like... I'm not using 2021 in right. my 2021. Right. Like, you know, the, I'm the, using like 20... 20- Twelve to 2019, right. maybe. 18. No, you,
0: you, you, that is an incredibly well thought out uh, sentiment that I think, because if, if you, and we've talked about this, you know, offline, some of the issues we see and some of the kind of infighting we see in this, in this industry is not necessarily from manufacturers, but fans, people on different forums. And this is the, these are the kind of details that they fight over as these small picayune things that like, Hey, does it, does it matter? Like, did you enjoy what you smoked? Great. You know, this is like the debate people have about, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, plume, you know, like it, it's, it's a constant debate that, that a lot of customers have. They think it's like this grand conspiracy that retailers created. And I didn't know. I guess like, Malolo, he's like, it's real. I'm like, that's all I need. Like, I don't need to do any further research because the man who's supposed to know, but that knows. that is
1: the classic, you know, plume is plume. And now plume has become mold. And now mold is mold. And so plume must be mold. And now, who cares, bro? Who who cares? (laughs) Who cares? If you don't like it, don't smoke it. If you do like it, look for it. And you smoke it. Like, who cares? I care about one thing. Whether it's mine or anyone else's, we've worked so hard, and they've worked so hard to make this the best they ever could, right? right? The masterpiece is done. It's hanging on a wall. The only thing I want you to do is not mess it up. Right. That's it. So cut it carefully. Light it with something that doesn't smell like something else. Store it in something that doesn't smell like something else. That's it. You know, I just... Don't dip it. This right? is God, God forbid, don't dip it. I mean, just <laughs> preserve... The intention of the, of well, the I don't, artist.
0: No, I saw something on Cigar Fissionado that said you should dip it, Michael, according to a certain preserve, Predator
1: star. <laughs> preserve the intention of the artist.
0: I don't think you know how big, like this, This is that's going to be a big clip. That's going to go, because I think a lot that's going to resonate with a lot of people who already feel that way. And I think it's going to be a wake up call for a lot of guys like me who find themselves doing that a lot and are like, yeah, what the hell am I doing? Like, you, I just got to get back to this. It's the, not like to,
1: this is new, but we've gotten there's been so many rallying cries in an, in an effort to stand out and be different rather than embracing and, and expressing gratitude for the road that has been more traveled, mm-hmm. not less traveled, more traveled, smoothed out, paved for others to come. I mean, I've been in the business 20 years. I'm a brand owner for 10 months and we would not have the success that Ferry Otego is experiencing had it not been for hundreds of years of the premium cigars that have come yeah. before us for any one or any company or any brand or anyone to suddenly evangelize an industry in, in a way that suggests it has all been done wrong before plume isn't plume anymore, it's mold. And this, you know, this isn't this, now it's this. You know, someone needs to read a book or watch a movie or talk to anyone who has made a living in this industry longer than a year or two years. And, and, you know, you will quickly realize that this isn't that, this is not new. Right. You know, the ability to, to evolve to innovate, to be revolutionary—it's a—it's a relatively narrow spectrum to be able to do that. So, really, anyone kind of claiming that that this is the new and all of this is just old and dinosauric and prehistoric, whatever—it's really not rooted in fact, right? At all, and that scares me a bit. Um, I actually shouldn't say it doesn't scare me at all. It actually just hurts my feelings. Because I think of, um, I have so much gratitude for our industry in its totality. And I feel very fortunate to have made a living in the industry for 20 whatever years before now being an owner. My my uh, entire being, my reason to be, is of course to be successful, but it's it's to make the industry successful in its totality, mm. not at the expense of every other person who, frankly, in one way or another has helped me, right? Directly, indirectly, I've learned from them. I, I, there's there's infinite support there where this rising tide theory has elevated these ships. So when like, you know, a random boat comes floating over and and, Self proclaims that they invented the ability to float. Everyone
0: else will be sinking. We're if it all wasn't floating for me. here, right? Yeah, you wouldn't the on the bottom of the ocean. I I invented floating. It's like, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, that's that. Uh, you know, and fortunately, I don't think there are that many of those. And even for the ones like I'm, I'm thrilled with the ones that do because it's like, hey, go go for it. Yeah. You know, sail away. Go for it. Cool. Um, but I, you know, it doesn't take a lot of research to to realize that. You know, this thing has been around long before any of us. There, Long before any current brand owner, regardless of age, it predates them by generations. Yeah. And it will s- surely go on beyond all of us for generations and centuries to come. You know, we've got to look at our moment in time in this industry and with the products that we have and zoom out and and just enjoy them man you know it
0: is it is a complex moment in I mean obviously in history in general but for the cigar industry how have you seen um the changes in the industry from you know obviously you you were coming into the industry right on the tail end of the boom for, and on all factors retail uh uh profile different you know palette changes you know what how have you seen the industry evolve in your time and where do you think, you know like can you see the next step can you see the evolution beyond the current moment
1: well i mean to understand how it has evolved even since i started 1999 to today i mean how do you even begin to i mean how has the world evolved yeah you know when i started i had a beeper i didn't have a cell phone uh there was really no cigar over of 52. The 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 strongest cigars were coming out of Honduras. Uh,
0: Villezanne stuff. Yeah, I mean, there.
1: Punch and Hoya de Monterey were it. Hmm. Uh, El Rey del Mundo was probably the strongest m- available blend. Uh, you know, there was no... You had catalog and mail order. You didn't have internet. You could smoke everywhere. I mean you know uh, it was a dream it was a dream time (laughs) well but i don't know man because the access to information was very little the the engagement with brand owners was very little the the ability to feel um connected to a brand in a personal way was is definitely not the same as the way we feel connected to brands today right um you know, unless you worked in retail, for example, and, and brand owner would happen to be working in market that day. But even then, like for the most part, if you were a consumer and you met the rep and the brand owner, like what did you care? Right. You know? Didn't it didn't matter. Yeah, who,
0: who who's Carlito? I don't know. Like who like, you know, so with the
1: exception of Padrones yeah. and Fuentes, let's say, yeah, um, it just didn't mean as much. But now, you know, the the ability to connect to a brand for brands to communicate with consumers for better or worse uh, that's an incredible evolution and it's an incredible tool Hmm. Um, you know forward thinking I think it would be naive to think that our industry is going to get any easier we know Mm -hmm. it's not never has like there's never been a moment in time where everyone was like Whew, this was a breeze compared to last year right. like it's it's constantly evolving uh devolving into something that is more difficult um although if the uh July 6 um ruling with regards to FDA continues to stand and go in that direction that's a that, big win a big it doesn't win. make it easier but it finally for the first time gives us a rule book right since 2007 we have We have been operating in purgatory. And since twenty sixteen, we've been operating, you know, in in I don't know what's worse than it hasn't been hell, but like we don't know Limbo, we don't know exactly. We don't know what the rules are, and we don't know at what point what is permissible today is suddenly illegal tomorrow. So that is actually encouraging that although of course I would love for premium cigars to be exempt to be exempt. Uh, at best and at worst to be treated differently. Um, But once there is at least a decision that is definitive, we can finally come up with strategies that we can stand firm on, Mm -hmm. you know? Always going to have to be agile and be able to pivot, but at least we have something that we can put a stake in the ground and say, okay, we know this to be true for now. There is nothing that we've known to be true for years. Um, But- I also see as a as a tremendous disadvantage, is the is the the relentless demonization of our category, um, in platforms that amplify equally, if not more, dangerous or disruptive categories, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I've seen it in my own um, social media and in other social media uh, of my peers and colleagues where. Our ability just to get views is over because we've got a flag on us somewhere that says, don't let this person's voice be heard. That's some scary stuff, man. And it's not, obviously it's not just in this, it's in every, everything right. in, in, um, in, in, the, in the world. S- speech and the ability to talk about what you want is only subject to those who are filtering it. Right. That's a very scary proposition. And I don't think that's going to get any easier either. So that means that we're going to have to really think differently about how we go to market and how we speak to customers and how we communicate effectively and and continue to maintain those relationships um, that now consumers depend on uh, connecting to a brand. We need to find a new way to do that. And I think yeah. we will figure that out over time. But my gut says that that will be some of the next greatest evolution is what that what that um cycle is between consumer brand and route to market not from a sales perspective but from a communication marketing engagement mm-hmm. perspective because it has when i started brands did not speak to consumers they did advertising right. but brands Spoke to retailers retailers and the retailers did the work to the consumers. But today, most retailers expect the consumer to walk in looking for the product. Right. And so the brands are now expected to create the consumers in advance of the products arriving. I'm not sure that that's going to turn back around. So, how we continue to drive that cycle in the absence of the most popular tools on the on in in our in our social sphere which is mm-hmm. social media you know we're going to have to really think long and hard about how we do that
0: yeah i mean it, it's been restrictive even even since my my first days here and u- utilizing certain tools we've always not been allowed to use it Uh, use certain uh, advertising avenues through social media. But I think you're right. And and this kind of brings me to um, what I wanted to to finish up with today is, um, you know, this way of engaging with customers or or at the very least retailers. Um, One of the big ways that that's always been for our industry is obviously the trade show. You attended your first trade show as Ferriotago this year, correct? This was your first one under the Ferio
1: banner with product. Let's be clear. There are a lot of trade shows.
0: Well, the the, the PCA. Now, obviously, TPE is, is becoming a major. So we did TPE, player. we
1: did TAA, and we've done PCA. This is our first PCA, PCA. in July with product.
0: How did PCA? Because because there was a lot happening at that. Like it was the day before, I believe, or, or I think it was the day before the trade show even started. That uh, the FDA announcement came down. What was your experience with the trade show? Obviously, there's been some issues with it and then it being canceled for COVID one year, you know, it's just been kind of a, you know, competition from TPE, but I, I, I heard some good things about
1: PCA this year. I wanted to get your perspective on it. Well, so first I just got nominated uh, or elected onto the board. Oh, that's right. Congratulations. That's right. Um, So I think PCA, and this is something that I feel very passionate about. PCA is not a trade show. PCA is a trade association. And, I think it very often PCA has been conflated with this idea of a five day event when it is not, it's a 365 day a year working association oh. to advocate. The for actual our industry.
0: purpose is, is behind the scenes what they're doing. It's Advocacy not just a trade support show. For
1: right. For the, for the category, for the industry. However, as part of that, there is a five day trade show and convention. Uh, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome last year with no product and no samples and nothing but hugs and stories. I had a great time. In fact, I might go back to that next year because it was just so much fun and we didn't have to do anything. I'm kidding. Um <laughs> this year was great. We had um it was it was very emotional. In fact, I, I said it in a couple of the interviews at the at the show um you know, exactly one year prior I was standing in a booth that had our logo. The only thing I had on display was an empty travel humidor and hugs and stories. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And in exactly 12 months, I had a huge tower with our logo on it. I had a display case with nine blends. I had um, the 2022 releases of Elegancia and Generoso and a limited edition, timeless 10 year and a tower. Wow. That was plus a couple big ratings under your belt, like it was plus uh, monster ratings yeah. and uh, uh, eight hundred stores. Yeah, that are selling the product. It was a um, it was a crazy moment. One moment in particular, I'll tell you. I was taking the cellophane off the top row of cigars to put the boxes into the display case, as I've done since two thousand twelve. Right, and so taking the cellophane off of timeless and putting it back in a box was nothing new. I've done it a thousand times. But I had a moment where I was looking at it and under the timeless band was the exclusively for Ferry Otego band. And literally it sounds totally uh corny, but in the glasses, I was putting the box in the display was the reflection of the big Ferry Otego logo. And I got very emotional. I can imagine. Because it was it was just um this incredible full circle, what we had accomplished in a year from an empty booth to a full booth no customers to 800 stores, zero blends to nine blends. Uh, you know, it was awesome. It was just awesome. And the show itself was tremendous. Um, you know, there's, I've been on a tour basically the last six months, which I've kind of called my Ferio Gratitude Tour, getting to as many markets as I can, mm. just to say thank you. You know, we, we grew quickly and that's in thanks obviously to Davidoff's Uh, you know, incredible network and, and power of distribution. And so when you grow that quickly, you don't have the opportunity to thank every customer and say how much it means um, to you that they are selling and supporting. So this show really our number one goal walking into this show was to say thank you. That was the, that was the sole purpose for us being there was to say thank you for the consideration, thank you for the support, and ask for consideration if they weren't supporting yet, and to tell our story and explain why. And we had a we had a great show, we had a great month before, we had a great show and we had a great month after, which to me is the most important because it means that we didn't have any artificial spikes, right. that our, our continued volume and growth is natural and organic and healthy. It's something that's sustainable, um, and so if that is any indication of our continued future, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting future.
0: Mike, I got to say, I, I think that we're all very excited for the future that, that your company is bringing. It's bringing a, a fresh perspective. It's bringing a lot of tradition along with a lot of new ideas. Uh, the blends have all been fantastic. This 10-year timeless was extraordinary. The burn was great. A great combination of flavors. I think it stands out among your portfolio. I'm very excited to smoke the uh the 2022 elegancia and Generoso. Um but man, I'm 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 serious. You are a great representative of this industry and we're we're very excited to see what you and your team do next even if it's just like I know you you prefer to maintain core lines. You don't want to come out with a bunch of crazy stuff. You want to make sure that your core lines are getting the attention they deserve and it's working out, man. Every, every everyone's extremely happy. You're hitting all these different demographics uh you've done proud by the nat sherman tradition which i know probably means a lot because that was you know that was uh, many years of your hard work you've done proud by that and you've also entered into this this new arena this this different kind of cigar world and you've entered with golden wings and flying colors so uh thank you so much for, for joining us today it's always a pleasure to, uh, to sit down and chat with you and just really looking looking forward to what you're gonna do next man really it's always always excitement when you're when you're working on something so thanks I, again for stopping in.
1: I appreciate your support and if I can do a, a quick straight to viewers I uh, I just want to say thank you thank you for considering our product. thank you for investing in our product. Um, I mean we're a small family business. we're not a publicly traded company you' you can't be a stockholder but you can be a stakeholder and and I really mean it when I say that when you buy one of our cigars you become an owner you've just invested in feriotego and we're working really hard for you to make sure that when you spend your money on our brands that you are always getting more than what you paid for and so we are we are steadfast in our commitment to that level of consistency to that level of excellence and, uh, and as long as Ferro goes around, we're going to keep doing it. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. Really, again, beautifully well said. You are a connoisseur of words as you are with cigars. Thank you everyone very much for watching. Make sure to check out all our great content. Um, now back on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and
1: TikTok. And as always, keep them lit.